Hello, welcome to the podcast of Chesterfield Baptist Church. We've got a special treat for you today as we have Brother Jeremy Adamson filling in for us this Sunday morning. So please enjoy. Turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians, first chapter, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you want to, while you're turning there, uh, hold your place there and turn over to Psalms chapter 1 as well. It's good to be back here. Got a good crowd here this morning, uh, especially being the day after Christmas. I'm so confused on what days are what anymore. So um, I'm thinking yesterday was Christmas, but I'm not quite sure as I say it. So, uh, But turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It is good to see everybody here. It's good to be back. Um, Brett actually didn't send me a Facebook message this time to ask me. He happened to bump into me at the, uh, at the bank one day and He's like, I forgot you work here. And I'm like, well, I work here. It's about all I do between that and school, that was all I did. Um, I'm pleased to say that I am completed with school. Um, to, to Ashley's um, chagrin, I was talking about um, potentially going back and finishing another degree sometime in the near future. But as I finished that one, I realized very quickly, I have no desire ever to look at another textbook online or in paper ever again. And so... Barring God telling me you need this to finish this degree for this job, I don't, I just, I can't, I can't see it now. Then again, I've been in that place three times in my life. I walked out of high school not thinking I was going to ever look at another textbook. I walked away from college once thinking I was never looking at a textbook. Then I walked away from college a second time thinking I was never going to look at a textbook. This is the third time walking away from college saying I'm never going to look at a textbook. So we'll see what it holds, but um, as far as I'm concerned right now, the only, the only book I'm studying is books about the Bible and the Bible itself, and hopefully we'll dig into that and Ashley's praying very, very deeply for that, so um, it took a lot of time. Um, meanwhile, my brain has tried to unfog this last week because I finished with school about a week ago and um, had a couple days off of work this week, so my, my brain has tried to unfog. Um, I got to preach on uh, Wednesday night at my church uh, there in Arcola, um, thought that that's what I was going to bring here to this church and could never get peace about it, and then I thought I figured out something I was preaching on, and then as happens, it usually ends up a portion of the, of the message, but um, God adds what he needs to add to it to make sure I'm not doing it in and of myself. But uh, 1 Thessalonians, I can't talk and turn at the same time, so bear with me while I turn. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we start in verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as a travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Look over to verse 21. Verse 21 says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We just thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the wisdom that you give us, Lord. I just pray right now that you would ease my mind, slow my speech, Lord God, and just help me to say what you would have me to say. I pray that your 
spirit would be upon me, Lord, and upon each of these people sitting out here, each of these individuals sitting out here, that we would have and receive what you have for us, Lord, that we would take it with you, with us out these doors. Lord God, that we would just continue to, to seek your face. And just thank you for your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. In the verse there, 1 Thessalonians, it says prove. The word prove, it's not trying to prove. Um, a lot of times there's, there's a verse that says we're not to test God. And we're not to test God. We're not to try God. But we are to prove. When it says prove, it is, it is like taking a test. It is like using it. It's putting into practice. It's putting it into application, saying walk the walk. And, um, and as I was sitting there, we were singing the songs and just thinking about different things and just the different things running through my mind. It, proving means do what you say. Be consistent with it. Prove it. Prove out what your words are saying. Prove out what the God's word says. Do what you're supposed to do, and God will do what he's supposed to do, and then we will, everybody will see it as proven as fact. It's no longer faith. It's, it's work out your own salvation. It's many of those different verses that we use. And, there's, and the bad part is, when I don't say the bad part, when you start reading the Bible and studying the Bible and doing it over time, when you start to go teach or preach or plan or prepare or think on anything, Verses come to mind. The, the Bible is such a connected book, and there's so many things from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and there's so many things that inter, interrelate and, and um, connect each other. That, but what we're talking about here today is prove, to try it, to test it through experience, through your walk, through practice. Prove, prove him. It says prove him. And it says in the second part of the verse, it says hold fast. And there's just two phrases that I want to talk about, we're going to talk about throughout uh, this, the message this morning. Hold fast. Have a firm grasp, a firm possession. Keep it secure. Don't let it go. Protect it. Guard it. Hold on to it. Hold tightly. Now, one thing I do want to point out when I say hold tightly, we are to hold tightly, but we have to understand that we don't have to hold tightly to God. He holds tightly to us, and thank God that we can't let go. Even if we let go, he's got us. But what we can do is we can hold tightly to his word and hold tightly to the truth, hold tightly to his commandments, the law, hold tightly to him and, and be close to him. What that means is to be very close to him, to, to stay close, to stay closer to him. Um, when I'd use one of the, I did use one of the illustrations uh, Wednesday night, and if you think about a, a campfire, the world is getting darker and colder. It's not going to get lighter. It's not going to get warmer. Um, we may have, uh, I still pray, and I think there's time, and I think there's actually things happening that it could cause that, but Satan's working the opposite. I think we could have a revival in this country. I really, truly do. But beyond that, at some point in time, whether we do or we don't, at some point in time, this world, in order for what's going to happen next, happen, this world is going to start getting darker. It's going to start getting colder. When we walk, it's warm, and it's, this is the fire. We're here sitting by the fire. We're getting warm with the, by the fireplace, if you will. We're getting warm. We're sharing that light. But when we walk out the door, the farther we get from God, the only thing we have to carry with us is his word. So if we're not studying his word in the morning, studying his, and reading and our Bible and praying and getting to know him, then the only time we have warmth and light is when we're at the church. We're supposed to carry that warmth and light outside of the church, and the only way we can do that is through his word and doing what he says. And, and that's kind of what the theme of the message is today. So, to have, so the closer you get and the closer you stay to God's word, the closer... The, the more light we have and the more warmth we have from him. And that's what we need to understand. And when we talk about hold fast, that's what we're talking. Hold fast to that. Luckily that God, you know, not luckily, but thank God that he gave us not just the church that we can come to. He gave us the Bible. 
He gave us his word. He gave us the Holy Spirit so we can use that as well, so we can have access to that warmth and that light. And a lot of times we blame, uh, we look at the church or we blame the church or we, we say we couldn't go to church or the church didn't teach the right thing. And I hear my dad's a pastor, he's been a preacher, he's been in the ministry for my entire life. And people constantly blame the church. Well, the church isn't feeding me. I'm not getting this from the church. And you have to make sure that you're in like mind with your church, but you also, we as uh, individuals have a responsibility to study God's word and to carry that and do that on our own. We have our own individual responsibility because the church is an institution, but the church is us. The church is a collective of each individual person out here. This church is, an in, is a collective of each individual person out here, and you are an individual contributor to church just like you are to society. So if the church is failing, the first thing we should do is look at ourselves and we'll see what am I doing. And so, but let's turn over to Psalms chapter 1. The aim and the target of the, of the message is to talk about proving, um, proving God and holding fast. But in Psalm chapter 1, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read into chapter 2 some as well. But it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff with the wind driveth, which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in, judgment, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Why do the heathen rage, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers... I'm sorry, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Go down to verses 11 and 12. And it says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish from the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Even back in the Old Testament, God was instructing his children, the children of Israel, and, and speaking through David here and giving this counsel to David. He gives warnings. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's got three different things. Walk, stand, and sit. Those are three levels of, our, of what we do in life. So if you talk about where you walk, let's talk about those first. The counsel of the ungodly. Are we seeking counsel from ungodly people? Are we getting advice? Not just are we going to ask them. Ask them. Are we, in our actions, when we act, are we acting on um, the knowledge or the advice or the philosophies of ungodly people? Philosophies of the world. Philosophies of the people who aren't. This is not just talking about the unsaved. The ungodly could be people who are saved who are, pursuing the flesh, who are living not after God's world. Ungodly are people that are anybody that is not God-driven or God-inspired. Um, God They're not doing things by the way of God. Are we walking with these people? Are we, are, we, are we going with these people? Are we taking their advice? Are we taking their counsel? Are we listening to what they said? Are we following their opinions? 
you know, a lot of times we don't ask for advice, but when we formulate an opinion, we formulate an opinion based off of something we heard somebody say or based off of information we've gotten. So how are we formulating our opinions and how we serve our life and how we live our life? Are we doing that with um, the opinions of somebody else? Or are we going to God's word? Um, one of the things that I like to use a lot just because it's a, it's a point of reference for me is um, I've grown up in church uh, all my entire life, and I hear people, my dad had high, high standards, and I hear people say, well, I don't have that conviction. Like, that's fine. You don't have that conviction, but have you actually studied God's Word and what the Bible says about it? And if they, most of the time, people who argue, well, I don't do that because I don't have that conviction, will say, no, I didn't even study it. Well, then how can you not have that conviction if you don't even know what the Bible says about it? I'm not telling you to have the same conviction, the same standards I do. I'm telling you, search God's Word. Let God speak to you. The problem is we don't do that, but we don't have any problem with sitting there and watching whatever type of TV we watch, whatever type of news we watch, whatever type, and we let that influence us. And we don't even aware how much, it, we're not even aware how much it influences us, but we need to understand, he warns here that we're blessed, he said, if we're walking not in the counsel of the ungodly. The next thing is, where do you stand? He said, nor standeth in the way of sinners. That means, are you in the same places the sinners are going, the people that are ungodly, the same ungodly people, the people who are living in the flesh, the people that aren't serving God, are you in the same place they are? That doesn't mean we can't go to Walmart because that's where the sinners are. It doesn't mean we can't go to Target because that's where the sinners are. It doesn't mean we can't go those places. But when, in a consistent basis, where are you standing? Where are you standing? Are you standing in the same way? Are you standing there in the same way that everybody else is going? Are you standing in the way of the world where they're going? Or are you standing in the way of God? Where we stand makes a huge bit of difference because that, that, that affects everything around us, how we think. That affects what we do. That affects... Um, that affects who we are, and we may not see it sometimes, but it does. Are you standing in the way of sinners? And then it goes on and it says, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Who are we fellowshipping with? Who are we sitting down, sitting, abiding? Who are we sitting with? Who are we fellowshipping with? Who are we, who are we communing with? What he points out here, in the seat of the scorners. Are, are we sitting and joining and fellowshipping with people who on a regular basis mock God? who make fun of God, who make fun of the ways of God's ways, who make fun, makes fun of the ways that we do things in the Bible. It says scorners. Are we sitting in the seat of the scornfuls? Are we sitting there fellowshipping with people who constantly mock God or mock his ways? But if you look at it, those three things, you have, the, you have walking, standing, and sitting. Walking is something that you do on a regular basis. Standing shows a little bit more commitment because you're kind of firm, you're standing there. And sitting means you're fellowshipping with them. So even on those things, we talk about the ungodly, the sinners, and the, the, the scornful, the scorners. But we have three things. It all starts with when you start walking with people. Walking with people that you're not, you shouldn't be connected with. Walking with people that you shouldn't be associating yourself with over a period of time that you shouldn't be doing that. So it starts with walking. That's a, that's a moving thing. So you can walk in and you can walk out. You can walk away from them. But then the next thing comes standing. Now, if you're standing by somebody, you're standing in their way. Now you're a little bit more supplanted in the ways of the world, in the ways of the evil, in the ways of the flesh. And the next one is the next thing you know, if you, if you walk with the ungodly, if you take the uncounseled of the ungodly, if you, then if you find yourself standing in the way of the sinner, standing with the people that, see, that are serving the flesh, then you're going to find yourself sitting and fellowshipping with people who mock God. It is a progression, and it shows what that progression is. And this is his warning. So he's telling you, look where you're at. We should take an introspective look, and I always do. At the beginning of the year, we talk, I, I teach on something like this. But we should always take an introspective look and look at the warnings. And so those are the things he warns about. Then in verse 2, it goes on, it says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his, in his law doth he meditate day and night. So 
We shouldn't walk. We shouldn't be around the ungodly. We shouldn't walk with them, stand with them, sit with them. But we should delight in God's law, His Word. Not, not the Ten Commandments, not you know, rules and, and regulations. Not, he's not talking about that. When he talks about God's law, he's talking about the Word of God. He's talking about who God is. We should delight in His law. We should meditate it. We should meditate on His law day and night. Always, always in our minds should be meditating on God's Word. Everything that we do, no matter what it is, we should be constantly focusing on God and, and, and understanding what His way is. Asking God to help me see this situation through your, eye, your eyes. Asking God, help me see this person through your eyes, not through my own eyes, not through my own things. And if you go down in verse 3, and it goes, and it says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruits in season. His leaf shall also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So if you heed the warnings, which is where you walk, where you stand, and where you sit, you follow the remedy, which is delighting in his law and meditating on his law, the result is, you're going to be as a tree planted by the rivers of water. You're going to be a fruit-bearing tree. You're going to be a tree that doesn't wither, that doesn't fade away. You're going to be a tree that is prosperous. When it talks about prosperous, it's the same as the word blessed in verse 1. It talks about you're blessed. You're going to be at peace. You're going to be happy. You're going to have joy. You're going to be spiritually and eternally prosperous. It does not promise you money. It does not promise you wealth. It does not promise you fame and fortune. But what it does in your spiritual life, it promises you prosperity. It promises you fruit. You will be a fruit-bearing tree that doesn't wither. And then in, ver- and in the last part of that verse, it says, um, I mean, in verse 5, it says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It says in that verse, it said in verse 4, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. If we are ungodly, if we do not meditate in his word, if we walk amongst the people we shouldn't be walking up with. If we stand and sit with the scorners and the sinners, if we do all that stuff, then we're going to be like the ungodly because we are the ungodly at that point. And the ungodly blow away. If you want to see what happened, you watch it, and I don't see it much necessarily in this church, but if you watch what happened with COVID and the church is shut down for a few, few weeks, few months, and all of a sudden the church has had a, we're about a 25% decrease in some and 50% decrease in others, all of a sudden you realize who, what people actually weren't when COVID was sort of gone or semi-gone or whatever it is, when it is, when it's out there, when it was safe to, when everybody said it was safe to return back to church and some people still didn't return back to church, why? Because they were falling away. They weren't, they weren't meditating on his word. Even some of us may be at church and we may still be struggling and going like, I don't want to be here. I don't feel comfortable here anymore. Why? Because we are not doing, we're not meditating on his law. We're not seeking his word. So what are we holding fast to? And let's get into the, 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 this, the main part of the message here is what are we holding fast to? Turn over to Psalm chapter 119. Colin asked me, he's like, Dad, how long are you preaching? I'm like, I have no idea. I did not measure this out or map it out, so we're going to get what we get. Um, I, constantly, I constantly hear from, uh, from the boys about that. My son does the, uh, my other son, Liam, he does the, uh, the video board and the verses and stuff at the church. And the other day he told me I had too many verses. And then he told me I had, uh, he said, well, you were good. He said, you got to the end. You had like 15 minutes left. You only had like one verse left, but you took the whole 15 minutes on that one verse. I'm like, well, I mean, you got to, you got to just go with what I go. I got to say what I got to say and what God gives me to say. And told him, I said, be happy that that's not me talking because I talk a whole lot longer. And God sometimes just tells me to shut up. Um, but Psalm chapter 119 in verse 1. 
verse 1 through 3, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Go down to verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Now down to verse 30. And it says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have struck, I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Almost the majority of the verses in Psalm 119 refer to the word of God in some way, shape, or form. They call him the law of the Lord. They call him his testimonies, his words, his commandments, his statutes. All of that to say the word, his word. So the law, so we talk about his word, which is truth. As he said in, in the New Testament, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What are we holding fast to? And I'll give you two words that we hold fast to. The light and the truth. Yes, it's the same person, but understanding what those words mean and seeing those words used in Scripture is extremely important. I literally had about 20 other verses outside of Psalm 119, but as I started reading and seeing these verses that had the word and there are testimonies and there are commandments in there, and I started realizing it is all throughout Psalm 119. Go look at Psalm 119 with this message in, this, in context, in, in mind, and think of holding fast and think of proving. And then think of what we're proving and holding fast, talking about the law of the Lord, His testimonies, His word, His commandments, His statutes. Go back and read Psalm 119. It's a long read, I know, but go back and read it. Understand how powerful that, that, that verse is and how important it is. And sometimes we look over Psalms because they're, they're poetry and we, we just appreciate them or they make us feel good or whatever. But there's a lot of doctrine, a lot of power, a lot of prophecy in Psalms that I think sometimes we miss and we look over. But in, verse, in, in the verses there in verse 30, it says, I have chosen the way of truth. And I was thinking, we've had conversations with people recently about young people getting to church and young people leaving the church. And, and um, as we seek now for a pastor at our church, they talk about um, one of the one things we want is somebody who's going to focus on working with young people and, and that's going to has a heart for young people. And, and sometimes I think that we see the church as the cure-all for our kids or for our youth. And the church is a huge part of that. And we should have a church to come to them. We should have a church who cares about them, who's passionate for them, and has a church that teaches them the things of God. But in the end, we have to teach them the importance of choosing the truth and choosing the way of truth, as it says right here. Just as we as adults, we have to choose the way of truth. We have the light. We have the truth in our hands. We can read God's word. If you've accepted Christ, and if you sat in this church, I know that you've heard. I know that you have heard um, the salvation message. I know that you understand what it means to be saved, how to be saved, how to be a Christian. I know that you know that. So we've been given the light. So if you're given the light, we have to make a choice to accept that light or walk into that light to become a Christian. But we have to choose daily to continue to seek His face and to walk in His statutes. And we act like. It's out of our control sometimes. Well, just stuff came up and stuff happened. Shoot, I've said it over the past couple of years for a lot because things come up and things happen and things distract me and I can't get this done, I can't get that done. But that should never distract me or keep me from serving God or from choosing the truth. 
So when we talk about the chaos that the world offers today, we talk about the falling world and the fallen world, we talk about everything else and we talk about stuff, we have to choose the way of truth. It is not something that is going to happen accidentally. It's not. It's not going to happen accidentally. If you're waiting for it to happen accidentally, then you may get lucky and it may happen, but chances are it's not going to happen. Um, we had a conversation with my son this morning. I keep telling him about his big word is procrastination. He doesn't have patience, but he procrastinates, which creates a need for patience at the end. And we had that conversation this morning, but I'm like, he's like, well, I don't think I have time to do that now. I said, well, I told you about procrastinating. I was like, and I said, and you do have time. You just have to choose to commit to getting it done. If you don't choose to commit to getting it done, it's not going to happen. Um, we choose this year, beginning of the year, it's the beginning of the year, people are going to make choices to write goals down on paper. And they're going to make choices in their mind to say, I'm going to do something. But they're not going to truly choose to commit to doing it. They're just choosing, this is what I want to do. This is what I would like to see happen. But if I don't write it down on paper, if I don't plan it out, if I don't get up with the intention every morning and follow that plan, the chances are it's not going to happen. Every single successful business person, salesperson, anything that I have ever spoken with, except for one, has said, you have got to write it down and plan it out. You've got to write it. For it to come to fruition, for you to actually do it, it's the, it's the mindset of mankind, you have to write it down. You have to write it down, and you have to choose to do it. We choose what we like, and we choose what we want, but when it actually comes to choosing to commit to do it, we miss that step, and we like, well, I planned to do it. It just didn't happen. And we say it just didn't happen as if we had no control over it not happening. And that's the way it is with our Christian walk. We have to choose the way of truth. We have to choose to walk in that. We have to choose. He says there, thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimony. Stuck. That's committed, firm, standing. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He didn't say it was just he was going to do it on his own. He said, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. He knows that he, it depends on God's strength, but we still have to make a commitment to do it. God does not force us to do things. He wants us to do things willingly. Turn over to John chapter 12. John chapter 12 and verse 33. Through 36. It says, This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever, and how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto him, unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things make Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. He is the light, period. He is the light that shines into our heart, that opens the light of salvation, that allows us and shows us how to be saved, that allows us to see who he is, that allows us to see the darkness that is within us. He is the light that shows us the evil that is in our hearts and our minds. But he doesn't just show it to us once. He cleanses us and forgives us of our sins right then, but we still live on this earth, we still live in this flesh, because as soon as we get saved, it's not going to take a few minutes and we've already sinned again. And we have to continue to confess and continue to let him shine that light in us. Why do we hold on to the light? Why do we grasp tightly to the light? Because the closer to the light, the more we see who we truly, truly are. 
the more we see who we truly are, the more we're able to see the fallen nature of other people. The more we see who we truly are, the more humility and meekness that we have about us that makes us more willing to show and give that what we know to other people. If we can't see who we are and we think that we're something special, then we don't care about helping other people because they need to get there on their own. I've watched it, and even now you watch people get to a point of success, and then they get to that point of success, and they don't want anything to do with the people that they left behind because they say, well, I got here on my own. You figure it out. It's hard to find people who want to mentor. Now, there's a, certain, there's a certain thing of when you get to a certain level of success, you don't let those people influence you and drag you down because that happens as well. But there's still a reach back and, and pull you up and, and pull you up and, and show that light. So we have to understand the light in that, those verses. It's talking about the law, the light of the law in John, that John 12, 33 through 36. Now let's turn over to 2 Peter chapter 2. Second Peter chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring, privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. When we're talking about holding fast, once again, Christ offers, God offers warnings through, through the, uh, the epistle of Peter here. He offers warnings. Understand the light, but the reason we need to be close to that light is because we need that light to expose the false prophets. We need that light to expose the false teachers. We need that light to expose the false teachings because it says who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. We have to be cautious and careful that, and be close to the light so the light will expose those who are trying to sneak in false doctrine, false teachings of God's word. We have to be cautious of that. It says many shall follow their pernicious ways. Many's, many people are going to follow them. Look across the landscape of the Christianity today and you've watched many people with false doctrines, false teachers, false heresies, false prophets that are taking people with them and they're following these false teachings. And we have to be cautious of that, but that's one reason, that's a big reason why we need to hold fast to the truth. We need to hold fast to the light. It says, many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. The reason people are following that is because the truth is being attacked. The truth is being diminished. The truth is being, is, is being questioned and challenged. It's spoken of as evil. When people speak the truth now, many times you will hear people attack the truth and say, no, that's, that truth is evil. Uh, I, I listened to one thing today where a preacher was addressing um, sins within the Bible. I listened to two different preachers ad addressing the same exact sin. And one was very soft and delicate and, you know, wanted to try to say, well, no, it's not a sin. Well, it's a sin, but so is everything else and very cautiously dealt with. And the other guy said, no, it's sin. It, it is sin. And this is how you deal with it. So we have to be cautious and understand that they're slightly, slowly sneaking those things in. And, and the, the one who was like being cautious about the way they, the way they said that the, the sin was a sin is they were saying, but you have to be careful of this because the truth is like they were... They weren't dealing with the truth. They were 
They were shading the truth or coloring the truth. Or, and, and I don't mean you have to be unkind. That, I mean, that's the conversation that happens in my house. There's, you can be truthful and be kind. And so we have to be kind, but we have to understand we have to deal with the truth. But a lot of the people are running away from the truth. They're running away from the light that we're supposed to be holding fast to because there's so many people attacking and speaking evil of the truth. They're, put, they're putting the truth in a dark light, in, 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 a, in a dark color, because we can't see it. They don't want us to see the truth the way it is. They color it in their own way. They make it look their own way. They make it look as if it's evil. The truth is not evil. The truth is truth. That's our guideline. That's, our, that's how we stand. And so a lot of people are leaving because the truth is under attack. And so that's why we need to hold fast to uh, the truth. We need to hold fast to the light. Turn over to Psalms chapter 43. Psalm chapter 43, it's just a few verses. I'll read the entire chapter. It says, Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring unto thy holy hill, and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go into the altar of God and go into my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. A few thoughts from this passage of Scripture here. Number one is, look, he talks about light and truth. It says, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let your light and your truth in me. Let the light and the truth of God lead me. And it says, let them, but then it says, not only does it say lead me, where does it want, where does he asking to be led to? Let them bring me unto thy holy hill, to a holy place, unto thy tabernacles. It says, unto the altar of God. Lead us to the places where God is at. Don't lead us to the places where God is not at. Lead us to the places where God is at. We should be going to the places where God is. That is where we should be sitting. And you go back to the verse we talked about in the beginning of the, the, the lesson here, the message here. Walk to the places, lead us that walk to the godly, the places where God, where God is. Take us to a place where we can stand where God is. Take us to a place where we can sit in fellowship and abide where God is, but where God is, not where God is not. And that, it's a very simple thing. You call it ungodly. We talk about the word ungodly. Ungodly is where God is not. It is anything that's opposed to God. Anything that does not put God first is ungodly. There may be something that is perfectly fine, but if we put it as we put it before God ahead of God and we let it take a priority over God, then it now becomes ungodly in our lives. So we need to understand that this truth and light is supposed to lead us to the holy hill, lead us to the tabernacles, lead us to the place where God is. Because then it says unto God, it says, my exceeding joy. It says in the last verse, it says, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. Hope is in God. That's why we need, if we need anything today, anything else today, we need to hope in God. But we can't hope in God if we don't hold on, if we don't hold fast to that light and to that truth. We have to hold fast to the light and the truth of that hope in God. And one of the other little phrases that may get left out a lot of times in the last part of that verse, that chapter, it says, Who is the health of my countenance and my God? 
my countenance. That is what is outside. If we're holding fast to the light and truth, if we're, if we're following the light and truth where we're supposed to be going, if we're following that light and truth to where God is at, it will be on our countenance. And I know I've spoke about it here, and I know I've spoke about it everywhere because one of my biggest things is what is going on in here. If we are holding fast to God in here, if we are, have his light within us, if we are seeking God's face, then it should be out here. Now, I understand that illnesses, illnesses and, and bad days happen, everything happened, but in the end, even then, if I walk into a room, if you walk into a room, we should be able to know that God is with us, that Spirit walks in the room. If an individual walks in the back of the church and the Holy Spirit is with him, and a second individual walks in the church and the Holy Spirit is with him, and you continue to pile people into a building where the Holy Spirit is there, we should know and be able to tell that the Holy Spirit is present with each and every one of us. Almost as obvious as there's a sign on our forehead saying God is with us. That is how obvious and that is how evident it is to me. I understand that flesh will get in the way, things that will get in the way, distractions will get in the way, and it will make it, make it blurry for a moment. But if we spend any amount of time with other believers, with other people who have the Holy Spirit within them, if we spend any amount of time with them and any amount of time in God's Word at that time, it should bring us back to that. And we should know and we should recognize that within each other. But it says health in the countenance, the external that mankind sees. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5. Coming close to the close here, Matthew chapter 5. In verse 14, Matthew 5, 14, it says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why do we need to hold fast to the light and to the truth? Because the light is what we have, then we hold fast to it, that shows the light to other people. We are the, they, they use the, the term of, uh, what do you call it? They use the, the metaphor of a lighthouse or the symbolism of a lighthouse. If we don't turn the light off, we're not letting, allowing God's light to shine through us, then we're letting a lot of people perish that will never see God. They will never understand who God is. But it says here, the light fulfills the law. Don't hide or diminish it. We need to allow people to see God in us. And I'll read those verses one more time real quickly. It says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and, they give, candlestick and they give a light unto all that are in the house. When we walk out the doors of this church, we may have the light in here, but when we walk out the doors of the church, where does that light go? Does it disappear? Does it dissipate? Does it diminish? When we walk out, we should come in and get refreshed and recharged. When we walk out the door, we should keep that light with us. We have, the, we have the Holy Spirit with us. We have God's Word with us. We have, um, if we're married and you have a spouse that's saved, you, you have them with you. We should still carry that with us and be recharged. Yes, we may want to come back on a Wednesday night. We need to come back on a Sunday and get refreshed and recharged and be back in that, in that element with other people, like-minded people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. But it has to go out of the door with us. It has to go into the world with us because it says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's for His glory. We have to hold on to that light. We have to hold on to that truth. We have to hold fast to it, not only so we can save ourselves, not only so we can save our family, but so we can save the people in the world who have no idea what's going on, people who need it. Other Christians out in the world that we may run into out there that we don't see here who are discouraged, who need that encouragement, who need the warmth of that light, who need the warmth of that fire, who need something to hold on to, to anchor on to, to latch on to, the truth that they need. They may be, they may be tossed all over the, with just different things happening, tossed to and fro on the waters of life, and they need something to grasp onto. And if we can just throw them a, a life 
they can see the light there. We can throw them a, a life preserver and they can grab onto it. We can pull them in and we can just save them just for that moment. Sure, that's just a, maybe a long way back, but we can still help. We can still save them. So we have to do that. We have to hold fast to the truth and light for those reasons. Turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians again, chapter 5. We'll read a couple verses down at the bottom there in here in just a second. First Thessalonians chapter 5 again. But when we go back to the beginning of the in close and we talk about going back, we have to prove God. When it says there in, verses, uh, in verse 21, it says, Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. We have to prove by dwelling with God. We have to be aware of where we walk and where we stand and where we sit. We have to, we have to prepare and we have to prove by dwelling with Him and understanding who we're listening to, where our opinions are being formulated from, what philosophies we're allowing in our life, where we're standing at, where our feet are planted at, where we're sitting at, where we're abiding with. Are we abiding with people who mock the truth, who, who make fun of the truth, who scor- are scorners of the truth? We need to prove by dwelling with God. We need to hold fast by delighting and meditating on His Word, on His statutes, His testimonies, His law, His commandments. We need to hold fast to the truth and light. So we need to prove by dwelling with God. We need to hold fast to the truth and light. And then in the last couple verses here, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 and 24, it says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He's faithful. We have to be faithful. We have to walk in his way. We have to prove him. We have to hold fast to truth and light. It sounds, I don't want to say cliche, but it sounds repetitive, and I say it over and over for a reason. And, and it's important to understand, if you walk out of here hearing nothing else, hold fast to the truth and the light. That's, that is what we need right now. That's what you need for your life, for your sanity, for your health, for your, uh, your life as we walk out. That's what everybody else needs. We need more people to hold fast to the truth and light. Not all the other outside stuff, not all the external stuff, not all the extra um, arguments and everything else. The truth and the light. What is the truth and the light? Read God's word. Just look those words up. Look at the word truth. Search it. Find a concordance. Google it. Verses in the Bible that talk about truth and study those words. Verses in the Bible that talk about light and study those verses. Read those verses and understand it and grasp it because that is what we need now. Because if we hold the truth and light and we dig and we search for it and we ask God to share it with us and we hold on to it tightly and that's what we hold on to and we stay close to it, then everybody around us will start to recognize that and see that if they don't already. I don't know anybody else's life in here. I, I, I know that, I, I mean, I know Jay does accounting and works with Ashley, and I know he, he, he kind of umpires when he does that. But, uh, but, when, but I, I, know very, I know nothing about people's personal life in here. But I know one thing about everybody's personal life. If you're a Christian and you have the truth and you hold fast to the truth and you hold fast to the light, dig in. Hold on to it, study it, search it out, because if you keep searching it and you keep understanding it, keep seeking for understanding, pray and plead God and ask for his Holy Spirit and ask for understanding. If we continue to do that, then it's going to start to reflect it's in the person closest to you, the next person close, next closest to you, and then the people that you influence throughout the time. It's going to reflect. It's going to be reflective and it's going to show. We need that more than anything. We need people in this country, in this world today to hold fast to the truth and light and quit worrying about all the extra arguments and all the extra stuff. That stuff will reveal itself in time because it says if we do it, it says that he is faithful. Faithful is he that calleth you. He's called us to do it. 
He's called us to follow his law. He's called us to follow his truth. And it says, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Let's pray briefly. Bow our head and close our eyes. Uh, I don't know how you do, how you do altar call. Um, I will you know, offer a time, a moment at this point if you would like to. Um, if you would like to come forward, if there's something you need to pray about at the altar, if, you, if the light and truth of God leads you to the altar to, to pray here, um, if it leads you to pray right there in your seat, if it leads you to walk out the door and pray at home and deal with it as a family, I understand completely. I, I just want to give the opportunity um, for you to do that and just continue to pray about God and what he would have for you, what this message he had for you in this message. Let's give you a couple of minutes.